Amen. Amen. At this time, we will release the hounds. All right, uh, kids are dismissed. K through fifth grade that way. Toddlers through pre-K over that way. Awesome. There they go. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day we can sing without these thinking things on our face. <laughs> I'm just serious, man. I don't know about you. I sing so hard, it always is moving, right? You know, it's moving up and down. I can't find a comfortable place. I'm always having to adjust it, but that day is coming. But know when you're home or walking around, you can sing out loud without wearing this thing, but it's going to be a good day. Uh, now, we've come together this morning, May the 9th, 2021, uh, for two primary reasons. First, to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And understand, church, he is so deserving of our praise, of our attention, of our worship, of our commitment, of our very lives. Amen? I mean, come on, is there anyone like him? Anyone love you like he loves you? Anybody chase after you the way he chases after you? There's no one like our God. And the second reason today is to, is to honor our, our moms. You, you, know, you know, moms are amazing. And all the things that they do, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Check this out. By the time a child reaches the age of 18, a mom has added to her plate about 18,000 hours of child-generated work. That's 750 days or two full years of life doing stuff for and and with her kids. That's crazy. If you're wondering why you're tired, moms, that's exactly why you're tired. And I, I want to pray us into our time of study this morning. But first, I have a, I have a little video I want to show you. It's called uh, Stuff Moms Never Say. <laughs> oh, so true, so true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to, to gather as a church, to gather as a people who are chasing after you. And God, I just pray that our time together will honor you, uh, honor our moms, and be well spent. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have you noticed that the popularity of reality TV shows that started like over a decade ago hasn't even slowed down? I mean, there's hundreds of them. Over the years, some of the most popular have been Survivor, American Idol, The Voice, The Real World, Dancing with Stars, The Bachelor, Real, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Hell's Kitchen, Duck Dynasty, right? You probably have a, a couple favorites that you watch. And there's been some pretty crazy ones, too. Like, like I, I, I have no idea if these shows existed until I Googled it, right? Um, here's one called Born in the Wild, right? And, and, and these people, this show took natural childbirth all the way She's pregnant, and they were having her children out in the wilderness, right, because the baby's born in the wild. Here's another one you may not have heard of. Uh, farmer wants a wife, right? Uh, this is uh, about Farmer Matt, and he, uh, ladies come, and he teaches them about, ladies from the city, by the way, they come, and he teaches them about how to care for farm animals and shows them his farm. Uh, here's one you may not have heard of. Scream Queens, right? Um, it... it it didn't really exist, and the contestants would practice screaming, they would practice looking demon-possessed, they would do stunt killing, and the goal was, who would be the next Hollywood horror star, right? And the one in season one actually got a role in Saw 6. Here's another one, a crazy one, never heard of, Kid Nation. Okay, 40, now I'm not making this up, 40 kids between the ages of 
8 to 15, spent six weeks alone without their parents in a ghost town in New Mexico, right, trying to create a functioning community and uh, a government system. Um, there's a lot of accusations about child abuse and stuff like that, like working the kids 14 hours a day. Here, here's the last crazy one. Best funeral ever! <laughs> I'm not making this up. They had barbecue funerals, Christmas funerals, disco funerals, you name it. You can have the best funeral ever. All right, that's crazy. Uh, but you know what? These shows are here to stay. One reason they make a lot of money, right? And another reason is people are hungry for relationships. They're hungry for being involved in the lives of other people. And they will settle for being involved in pseudo-relationships, virtual ones, even on TV, so they're actually here to stay. Now, if you heard about the, the new Survivor show they have planned, it sounds pretty insane. It really does. Six men will be dropped off on an island with one van and four kids for six weeks. Each kid plays two sports and takes dance or music lessons. There's no access to fast food. Each man must take care of his four kids, keep his assigned house clean, correct all homework, complete science projects, cook and do laundry. They have access to the television when the kids are in bed and all the chores are done, but there's only one TV and there's no remote control. They must be able to get a four-year-old to eat green beans. The men must shave their legs and wear makeup daily, which they must apply themselves while driving or while making lunches. They'll be judged on how well they can make an Indian hut from six toothpicks, a tortilla, and one magic marker. The winner gets voted off the island and gets his old job back. He wants to get that job back. And now, to win in these survivor contests that we see on TV, you must outwit, outplay, and outlast your fellow contestants. It's a test of will, it's a test of endurance, it's a fight to the finish. And those who participate in these contests must sacrifice sleep and, and convenience and face many hardships. No, these contests are not meant for the weak or the faint in heart. Here's a trivia question for you. What is the name of the oldest and longest-running reality-based survival contest in the world? Motherhood, right? Motherhood. I mean, talk about endurance and sacrifice and hardships and inconvenience. Talk about a, a test of the wills and outlasting and outplaying your fellow contestants. No, motherhood is not for the weak or faint at heart. That's why God has women do it and not men, Right? I mean, let's be honest, we could not do it, right? The world would have ended in Genesis chapter 7, right? If it was up to us to be mothers, guys, we just would be awful at it, right? Now, this morning, I, I want to share six survival strategies that will help you thrive as a mom. Before we do a quick commercial break, something really awesome happened after church this past Sunday. Uh, that's Austin. I don't know if he's here today, but Austin was baptized into Christ last week. <laughs> Hashtag welcome to the family. Hashtag born again. Uh, other commercial. Um, in two weeks, we are having our, our church cookout after service, right? Outside, hot dogs, hamburgers. Just bring your own self there unless I tag you to do something else. So be ready to be tagged. But other than that, you don't have to do anything. And, and this could be a great time. I encourage you to all to show up for that. Burgers would be hot dogs and burgers and probably mac and cheese, ice, you know, uh, uh, snow cones, uh, a bounce house. It's going to be a great time. And it's on the day of Pentecost, by the way, and where we celebrate. Yeah, there you go, Trent. Where we celebrate the birth of the church, okay? 
encourage you to do that with six survival strategies for thriving as a mom. And, and though this is just for moms, everybody needs to listen. You don't have permission to check out for a couple reasons, right? Uh, raise your hand if you have a mom, know a mom, or know someone that has or knows a mom, right? That's all of us, right? And, and every mom could use these, what I call, survival, survival strategies, T-H-R-I-V-I-V-A-L, okay? That's a new word I made up this week with the help of this. This is a, I don't know if you ever heard of this. I'd, could you hit the next slide? Portamantos. That's how you say that. It's a blending of two words to form a new word. You can actually do this. Don't do it in church right now. I, I couldn't stop. I got to be honest. I could not stop playing with this. Portamantos, right? Okay? So when you add telephone and marathon, what do you get? Telephon. Parachute plus troops equals? Medical plus care equals? Camera plus recorder equals? Camcorder. You guys are so smart. Breakfast plus lunch equals? Situation plus comedy equals? Sitcom. iPod plus broadcast leads to? Smoke plus fog? Breath plus analyzer? Dumb plus confounded? Oh, go back. Come on. We need brother plus romance? Bromance, baby. All right. Uh, Snide plus remark? Snark? You snarky people, you. Uh, information plus commercial, electricity plus execute, Steve plus awesome, stawesome, I am stawesome, baby, <laughs> all right, do not go online to do this, it's so much fun, you can combine three words, four words, I, 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 I don't even know, I, gotta, I don't even have to say about myself, all right, okay, uh, and the second reason you shouldn't check out is that even though these survival strategies are specifically for moms, many will help you survive in this jungle we call everyday life. So survival strategy number one, remember that, remember that God loves you. Moms, you are loved by God. You're loved by God. Now Mother's Day for many of you is a good day. You're happily married, you have children, you like your children, your children like you, your mom's living, and you get along good. So Mother's Day is a good day. But for a lot of people, Mother's Day, right, it can be a hard day. Uh, maybe you wanted to be a mom, but you weren't able to. Now, some moms feel guilty, right, because they don't think they're doing or didn't do this mom thing so good. Uh, other moms are flying solo, and it gets harder and harder every day. Being a single mom or a single parent is the toughest job in the world. Amen? You know, as a church, let's have our eyes open to people in that position and see how we can reach out to them and help them out, right? We're family. And, and some are stepmoms, and it's not been easy. And, and some of you, you know, like me, you know, you, you've lost your mom. Your mom's no longer here. And at Mother's Day, you just kind of feel this emptiness, right? This big loss. And so, it can be a hard day. It can be kind of a, it can be kind of a, a bittersweet day. You know, I, I was texting with uh, uh, one of my one of my favorite moms this morning. I have I have four favorite moms: my mom, Ruth Malone, Judy Malone, Laurie Malone, and Chelsea Malone, uh, my daughter. And, and I texted her this morning, and I I said, "Happy Mother's Day! You're an incredible mom. 
Your kids are so blessed to have you. I could not be more proud of you. Your mom, Laurie, is so proud of you, of the mom you are. Your mom, Judy, would be proud of you, Chelsea. In fact, I'm sure that Grandma Malone has already filled her in. I love you. I miss you. Have an amazing day. She responds, thank you. Love this so much. I don't have exact words, but this means so much. I'm thankful to be able to celebrate both moms and know they have both shaped who I am today. Mother's Day can sometimes be a bittersweet day. I'm so very glad I got to spend extra time I did with Grandma Malone during my last few visits. I really got to know her. I love you very much and miss you a ton. You're right. This is me. I can see both of your mom's imprint on who you are. Uh, Chelsea, somehow you took the very best of both and make them into the awesome mom that you are. Yeah, I get the bittersweet part, Chelsea. Love you very much, Dad. Right? So it, it, can be a, it can be a bittersweet time. But regardless of where you are in motherland, regardless of your situation in life, every mom has hard days, and it's not easy. There are days when you feel like you've blown it, that you just stepped over the edge, you made a terrible decision, or, or you reacted in a way that you wish you could hit rewind on. And you feel those waves of regret crashing over you. Other days, you may feel like a total failure. There are times when you feel lonely. And I want you to know, when those times come as they will to every mom, I want you to remember that you are loved by God. Understand, when you feel unlovable, when you feel like no one else really loves you, not your husband, not your kids, not anyone, remember that God, that your Father in heaven, never stops loving you. His love is reckless. His love is relentless. And not only does God love you, but he never stops telling you that he loves you. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, moms, you can read about God's love for you. As a matter of fact, everyone in this room or home online can read about God's love for them. Check out these words in Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, God's people were going through a hard time. It's a common theme for people who live in this world. And sometimes do stupid things. In the midst of their difficulties, if they were to survive, they needed to be reminded of God's love. And here's what we read here. They found grace out in the desert, these people who survived. Israel, out looking for a place to rest, met God out looking for them. God told them, I'll never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Circle, if you're taking notes, I, I'll never quit loving you. Expect love, love and more love. So you too will find grace in the desert and survive the heat when you remember that God loves you. Expect love, love, and more love. God loves you. Check out these words from Isaiah 54. For the, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Understand, moms and everyone else, nothing can shake God's love off of you, right? Nothing. Not your mistakes, not your shortcomings, not your failures. Nothing can. And listen, moms, even when your own tribe wants to vote you off the island, remember, nothing can come between you and God's love. Paul said it this way, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, if you don't get anything else in this message today, get this fact that God, the creator of the universe, 
the one before all things, over all things, and who holds all things together, knows you, likes you, and he loves you. He's crazy about you. He loves you big time. I mean, if he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If he had a refrigerator, you'd be all over it. And I know that's not new to you, right? Anybody ever heard that before, that God loves them? Okay, I think we know that. But don't let it get old. You know, God loves you. You matter to God. God loves you. You matter to God. Repeat after me. God loves me. Repeat it like you mean it. God loves me. God loves me. I matter to God. Is that crazy? The star-breathing, ocean-holding God loves you, and you matter to him. Survival strategy number two, remember that God sees, that God sees. I mean, sometimes in life, moms, I'm sure that you can feel that you're all alone, that it's just you and, and nobody else. And I, I want to give you a snapshot of a, of a mom who thought she was completely alone in this thing called motherhood, right? Her, her name is Hagar. She's the first single mom recorded in Scripture, and she felt that it was all up to her, but she was wrong. And by the way, if you think life is all up to you this morning, you're wrong. It's not. Her story's found in Genesis chapter 16, and let me give you a little backstory. You know, Abraham and his wife Sarah were promised by God that they would have a, that they would have a son, and as the years keep clicking, they keep getting older, but no child shows up, and so Sarah decides to help God out. She decides to help God out by saying, hey, you know what? You can have a child through my servant, Hagar. Now, that was not really uncommon in the culture of that day, right? It wasn't uncommon, you know, to, to have a child through your servant, right? But though it wasn't uncommon in culture, it still was not something that God approved of. See, even though it was a, a common practice, even though it was culturally acceptable, even though it was a, a major recurring theme on the DBS, the Desert Broadcasting System, and the CNN Network, the Camel News Network, it was wrong in God's eyes. But Abraham, like so many today, gave in the worldly wisdom and cultural norms, making them his standard for right and wrong, making them his standard for truth, rather than making God's word the standard of truth. And that'll always get you in trouble. That will always get you in trouble. That's why at Maple Grove, we are fighting individually and as a church to make sure that our number one core value is lived out, that we honor biblical authority. Amen? Listen, you will have your source of right and wrong, your source of truth, the authority for that will come from somewhere, either from culture or for you. I choose the Bible. <laughs> I choose the unchanging Word of God to be my source of authority. But listen, when you determine that something is right or something is wrong, the authority for that came from somewhere. You know, and I'll tell you one thing, our culture and you and I make a lousy source of authority, a lousy source of truth. Amen? 
Okay, I guess you all didn't like that one. I don't care. It's true. So he didn't trust God. And they have a son named Ishmael. Two women to the same man with two children. Guess what? That doesn't work so well, does it? You know, now, granted, if they had a reality TV back then, they'd probably be on it, right? They'd probably have their own TV show. But it didn't work out. They're always fighting with each other, having, having constant battles. And, and, and Sarah basically made Hagar's life miserable. And such that one day, Hagar takes her son and she just runs out into the desert. And she's in the desert all by herself, thinking she's all alone, this single mom. And then God shows up. And he comforts her. And he lets her know what, you're going to be okay. And your son's going to be okay. And, and, and then we read these words. In Genesis 16, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. I love this. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. It's a name for God, Elroy, right? The God who sees me. He sees me. Listen, moms, parents, <laughs> yeah, but especially moms, you are not in this battle alone. Uh, you're not in this mission of raising God's kids alone. God sees and, and God's with you and, and God cares. You know, many times when like, I don't know if you've been there, but ever been in a place where it seems like everything in your life is like heading south and not, not for a Florida vacation to Disney World, right? <laughs> heading south in, in not a good way. And you're thinking, okay, you know what, God must not see, God must have completely forgotten me because why else would I be here? But I want you to know that God has not forgotten you. God cannot forget, forget you. God will never forget you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah chapter 49. And uh, God's people, again, are in a hard time. Common theme. And God reminds them that he sees and he hasn't forgotten them, but they thought he did because life was pretty hard. Here's what we read, beginning at verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens. I know life is hard and difficult. You can't see a reason to sing. But sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst in the song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their sorrow. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. The Lord has deserted me. The Lord has forgotten me. Life is hard. It's not getting better. Where is God? Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for a child she has born? But even if that were possible, which it's not, I would not forget you. See, I've written your name on my hand. Ever before me is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. Ever before me is a picture of the hard times you're going through or the difficulties and the challenges you're facing. Ever before me are those things God sees and God cares. Amen? Remember God sees. Remember God loves you. I don't think you doubt me that those are true. The challenge is to live those out, right? Hey, because if, really, if we really believe that God loves us and God sees what we're going through and God cares, that should make it a little bit easier to do life, don't you think? Next, seek God first. 
Survival strategy number three. A lot of reasons we're seeking God first. I, I want to talk about two reasons. Okay. Core question. Do you think that moms have concerns or worries in regards to their children? Yeah. I think they do. I asked some moms this week to give me a response to that. And what are they concerned about in regards to their kids? Here's some of the responses. Uh, Staying on the right path and imparting that right path to others. Being bullied or becoming a bully. Here's someone wrote, not falling prey to progressive Christianity. Someone wrote, being physically healthy and safe. Another, making right choices. Another, they're worried about their child choosing to fit in with their peers rather than choosing to do what is right. Uh, Another had marrying the right person. That's a good one. Uh, not being influenced by the lies of this world. Another had the dangers of social media. Another just said, worried about cancer, worried about death. See, if if you're going to thrive as a mom, you have to be able to to overcome worry because worry will mess you up in a hurry. Are you concerned about something right now? Is there something that, even though it, it is beyond your control, you still can't get it out of your mind? The Bible offers some pretty specific survival strategies in regards to worry and anxiety. First one is, I want to talk about this from Jesus. Picture the scene. Thousands of people are gathered with all kinds of concerns. The Roman occupation, taxation, paying their bills, feeding their children. Jesus says this to this crowd. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, that sounds hard. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or serve food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What we drink, what we wear, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do what? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek God first and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Is Jesus a liar? No. That's got to be true, right? Understand, an essential survival strategy is to give your worries to God, is to seek God above all else, seek God first. And here's what I think, you know, here's how I picture it. See, it's, it's only when I'm seeking God first that I'm actually close enough to God. This is how I picture in my mind. But it's only when I seek God first that I'm close enough to God to actually give those worries to him. 
Does that make sense? See, see, the closer I'm, the guy, oh, you're right here. You're not off in the distance somewhere. You're right next to me. Here you go. I don't want these. You can have them. Another reason for seeking God first is because God is what you really need. Now, some lady named Angela Thomas Guffey, I think's her name, wrote this in Focus on the Family. Mothering requires everything. But eventually, everything giving plus little replenished equals desperately empty. I held the empty cup of my soul out to my husband, and you ladies doing that, and begged him to fill it. I held out my cup to a bigger house and a minivan, but only Jesus could fill my soul. I tried my children. Are some of you doing that? Thinking your children are going to fill your cup? Guess what? They're going to grow up and leave town <laughs> and may not live in the same state one day. I tried my children and my grandgirlfriends, but again, they could not fill the place designed by God for himself. The goal of mothering is to be a woman of God to your children, a woman of God intimately connected to her Savior. And a woman of God can love and give from the overflowing cup God has filled. A woman of God can love and give from the overflowing cup that God has filled, right? It's kind of like on the plane, right? The oxygen comes down. What do they always tell you to do? Right? Put it on yourself first. And some of you moms, I, I think you're, you're worried about putting oxygen on everybody else, your kids, whatever, and, and God says, hey, I'm the oxygen. Make sure you wear that mask. Make sure you're connected to me first because guess what? God is the only one that will fill your cup, right? You know, if you're married, you know your spouse can disappoint you. Amen? Right? They can let you down. If you have kids, your kids can disappoint you, Right? Everything in life will drain your cup ultimately, right? It's not going to constantly fill you, but God will fill you up to overflowing. God will give you living water like he told the woman in John 4 that you will never thirst again, right? You'll become overflowing because the water's inside of you. Don't look to other things to fill your cup. Look to God. Seek God first. Now, the next survival strategy is kind of for, uh, it's, for the, it's for the tribe. It's for the husband and the kids, for the whole family, it's show mom appreciation. We all need appreciation. That's how God wired us up. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxious hearts are very heavy. Anybody agree with that statement? Anxious hearts are very, very heavy. But a word of encouragement does wonders. That's true. Mark Twain said, I can live off one good compliment for a week. George Adams said, encouragement is oxygen to the soul. A Japanese proverb is this, uh, one kind word can warm up three winter months. Scooter Parker, I don't know who he is, but I like it. Uh, People have a way of becoming what you encourage them to be, not what you nag them to be. (laughs) A word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than a whole book of praise after success. A friend of mine from Georgia many, many years ago had this saying, catch me doing something good. Dan Latwing. As a parent, as a mom, as a people, we're not so good at that. Anybody good at catching people messing up? (laughs) I'm good at that. But to catch someone doing something good, and and, and what what I, I want to declare the rest of May, you know, all of us to catch the people in our life 
doing something good, and to encourage someone, right? Beginning right now, if you have a cell phone, take out your cell phone, quit playing the game on it. Some of you already have your cell phone out. You've been watching Oprah or something like that, right? Well, I'm up here talking, right? But seriously, take out your phone if you're allowed to, and, 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 and just send a quick text of encouragement to somebody. Now, go ahead and do it. I'm going to do it. And don't everybody blow up my phone at once. I know you want to. <laughs> Please don't. Just encourage someone. They could be in this room. Someone somewhere, just encourage them. I sent mine to my son-in-law and just said, thanks for being such a great son-in-law. I could not have asked for a better husband for my daughter and father for my grandkids. Boom. How long did that take me? It takes you no time at all. Every day, seriously. Every day, I just want to challenge you. Every day, find someone to encourage. Just send out a quick text to someone. Let them know you care. Let them know you notice. You think that, you know, you think they know that you appreciate them. Maybe they don't. And let's not, see, sometimes like moms get this one day. Second Sunday in May, I appreciate you. (laughs) Well, there's 364 other days in the year too. Right? Let's make, and here's my hope. My hope is that we become addicted to sending out encouragement. Addicted to pouring life into people who are down. Addicted to lifting the burdens off people who are burdened down by worry and the stress of this world. You have no idea. You have no idea what it means. Have you ever gotten encouragement that really meant something to you out of the blue? Well, you get to do the same thing. All right? But what do you say? Anybody want to join me? I hope so. I, I, I really, really hope so. You know, there's an example of the power of encouragement in, in Proverbs 31. You, you may have heard of the Proverbs 31 lady. She's a wife, a homemaker, a businesswoman. She gets up early, stays up late. She buys and sells, buys land, helps the poor and needy. She speaks wise words, makes clothes for her family. Many times she's presented as a model for womanhood. Mostly she makes women feel guilty. I, I have a book on my shelf called The Proverbs 31 Lady and Other Impossible Dreams, Right? It's just crazy. You can read that and go, my gosh. Um, my wife, Laurie, uh, shared this message with her students on Wednesday. But there is something that I think that the end of that chapter has some words that if those words weren't there, there would be no such thing as the Proverbs 31 lady. Check this out. Her children arise and call her blessed. Huh? Y'all do that this morning, kids? Mom! What a blessing you are to this family. <laughs> Mom, you won't be up. I still have five minutes. Right? Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. All right? She was being praised. Her children praised her, and her husband praised her, and this is, this is powerful. At the city gate. You know what that means? Publicly. Few things are more powerful than public praise, but there is something more powerful than public praise. It's the negative public criticism, right? When you criticize a loved one publicly, dude or dude ass, <laughs> you screwed up royally. And it will take you a long time to overcome that. 
right? But when you praise your spouse or your kids or your friends publicly, man, that means a lot, right? And, and so why did this lady even exist? I, I think because of the people that praised her and because she feared the Lord, but because of the power of praise. Amen? So, so let's just do that, right? Let's just do that. Hey, hey, hey I want to read this thing. If we move on to the next level strategy, lean in here. This is so good. That same guffy lady, Angela. I call her Angela. Um, it's called Tender Mercy for a Mother's Soul. This is from the book that from the book by that title. This is for all the moms who froze their bottoms off on metal bleachers at soccer games Friday night instead of watching them from their car so that when their kids asked them, did you see my goal? They could say, of course I did. I wouldn't have missed it for the world and really mean it. This is for the mothers who sat up all night with sick toddlers in their arms, wiping up chunks of hot dogs and cherry soda that suddenly reappeared, saying, it's okay, honey, mommy's here. This is for all the mothers of Kosovo who fled the night and can't find their children. This is for the mothers who gave birth to babies they will never see and the mothers who took those babies and made homes for them. This is for the mothers of victims of school shootings and the mothers of the murderers, for the mothers of the survivors and for the mothers who sat in front of their TVs in horror, hugging their children who just came home from school safely. This is for the mothers who run carpools and make cookies and sew Halloween costumes and for all the mothers who don't. This is for reading Goodnight Moon twice a night for a year and then reading again just one more time, Mom. This is for all the mothers who mess up and yell at their kids at the grocery store and stomp their feet like a tired two-year-old who wants ice cream before dinner. This is for the mothers who taught their daughters to tie their shoelaces before they start at school and for all the mothers who opted for Velcro instead. And this is for all the mothers who show up at work with spit up in their hair, mouth stain on their blouses, and diapers in their purses. Amen. Your moms, we appreciate you. And what I want to do right now is, you know, a small gesture is I'm going to have the, you know, the moms, the stepmoms, the grandmoms, the foster moms, the adopted moms, and any mom I may have missed. You know, would you, would you just stand? These are heroes. And all of us sitting down, I, 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 want you to, I want you to give some applause and cheers as if your favorite team just won the championship. And those standing, I, I want you to, especially if one of your loved ones is here, I, I want you to feel the appreciation and the praise that your loved one clapping and cheering for you means right now. So let's really raise the DB level on the count of three for your moms. One, two, three. Yeah! Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. We don't say it enough. We don't say it well enough. Thank you. You're doing better than you think you are. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, just a couple more before we're done. And this one will go really quick. I'm just pretty much going to say it and you can figure it out. The next survival, thrive plus survival, proto-mantos. Uh, let go of the supermom myth. 
You know, super mom is the mom who has a full-time job, attends all her kids' activities, families, cook, good housekeeper, always looks good, never misses church, always sweet, kind, loving, patient, encouraging, never loses or cool. You know, there's a name for those kind of moms, non-existent. <laughs> there is no super mom. You know, all those moms you see on facade book that, and their families look so perfect. Listen, there are no perfect families. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect moms. They simply do not exist. Stop trying to fit into someone else's expectation of you as a mom. And just become the mom that God wants you to be. Hang out with God and have God help you be the mom that he wants you to be. Amen? Don't try to be a mom that you're not. And and don't try to be the super mom that doesn't exist. Let go of the myth. Uh, the final survival strategy is focused on the ultimate reward of motherhood. Now, there are all kinds of rewards of motherhood, right? Homemade cards, letters, phone calls. But as awesome as those rewards are, here's what I think, and I think God would agree for a thriving mom. Here's the ultimate reward to make a positive, Jesus surrendering difference in the life of your children. To make a positive Jesus surrendering difference in the life of your child. That's the ultimate reward. You see, moms, God has uniquely positioned you as one of the most influential people in the life of your child. You matter, you make a difference. Understand that those long conversations in the car between activities. They make a difference. Those bedside chats about boys or girls on the side of the bed, they make a difference. When you pack their lunches and put a little note in them when they go to school, it makes a difference. When you drop them off at school or pick them up at school, you make a difference. It makes a difference. When you sit in the bleachers or standing on the sidelines or applaud to the auditorium, it makes a difference. When you love them and believe in them, it makes a difference. When you hold them when they hurt, when you encourage them when they're down, when you celebrate their victories and mourn their defeats, it makes a difference. When you help them with math problems, when you have no clue what you're doing, you may not have made a difference in their homework or their grade, but you made a difference. When you allow them to experience the consequences of wrong choices, you make a difference. When you take them to church week after week after week, you make a difference. When they see that you put your relationship with Jesus Christ and his church above all else, you make a difference. Yes, making a positive Jesus surrendering difference is the ultimate reward of motherhood. The Apostle John wasn't a mother, but he had many children of the faith, and he said this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking with the Lord. Amen? As a parent, no greater joy. Who cares what degree they have, how many houses they have, how much money they have saved up, right? This is the greatest joy, knowing they're walking with the Lord, knowing they'll spend eternity with him. No greater joy. A friend of mine was a youth pastor for many years, and now he works at a Christian college, uh, wrote this. And this could convict some parents. If it does, 
I pray that conviction leads to change. To secure our children's faith is the most important role we have as parents. As a youth minister, I was amazed with the parents who went to great lengths to help their children succeed in baseball, band, gymnastics, dance, and soccer. No drive was too far, no cost was too extravagant. Yet these same parents would be cavalier regarding their children's spiritual foundation. Jesus reminded us, what does it profit if we gain the whole world and lose our soul? Let me put it another way, he writes. What does it matter if your child plays first string, yet does not have Jesus first in his life? Amen? Man, don't get so distracted, right? All these activities without doing the most important thing. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And what I'm trying to say, moms, is that you're making a difference with the countless things you do every day for your children. You're making an investment that will reap huge dividends for generations to come because when God wants to do something great in the world, he doesn't send an earthquake, he doesn't stir up a tornado, he sends a child. But before he sends that child, he finds a woman to be the mom to that child. But when God needed a Moses, he found a Hebrew slave by the river named Jochebed to be his mother. When God needed an Abraham Lincoln, he found an illiterate farm girl in Virginia by the name of Nancy Hanks to be his mom. When God needed a Martin Luther King Jr., he reached down and, and found the daughter of a poor black preacher in Atlanta, Georgia, by the name of Alberta Williams. When God needed a Mother Teresa, he found a young, impoverished Albanian woman by the name of Nicole to be his mom, be her mom. And, and when God needed a Savior, he found a young Jewish girl living on the backside of the Roman Empire to be the mom of the Son of God. God chooses women just like you, ordinary, average kind of women, to do something very extraordinary, to touch and make a difference in the world through the lives of your children. And listen, of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of that son, of that daughter, of that stepson, that stepdaughter, that adopted son, that adopted daughter. He chose you. He chose you. And moms, always, please, never lose the focus of the ultimate reward because the world's going to tell you otherwise, right? Ultimate reward is to be able to go on Facebook in the month of May and say, my son or daughter got accepted to Harvard. Oh, yeah, nothing bad about that. But you know what's better than that? Your son or daughter walking the streets of gold in heaven for eternity. Amen? That, that's better than that. So don't get caught up, right? The ultimate reward, right, is for your son and daughter to walk with Jesus and to know him. That's a difference that will last into eternity. All those other activities, all those other things will fade, right? They, they won't matter 10 billion years from now, but walking with Jesus will matter 10 billion years from now. Moms, you don't have to just survive. You can thrive if you embrace these six survival strategies. Remember that God loves you. Remember that God sees. Seek God first. Tribe, let's show mom appreciation. 
let go of the super mom myth and just be the mom that God wants you to be and never lose focus on the ultimate reward. Amen? And as happens every week, God's seed has been sown, and let's pray that it bears fruit. Amen? Father God, we love you. And God, thank you for the moms in this room. God, I, I just pray that they feel your pleasure and your blessing upon them. I mean, Jesus could have just showed up as a 30-year-old, but you chose for him to have a mom. And moms, no doubt, have a special place in your heart. And, and God, I, I pray that any mom is discouraged right now, that you would encourage her, help her to know that you love her, that you see what she's going through, that she's not going through it alone. Help her to seek you first and foremost. I, I pray for the tribe of every mom in this room, every mom listening online, that the tribe will encourage her, that we'll encourage each other. And God, I pray that we all let go of any myth of who the world says that we should be and just embrace becoming the people that you created us to be, for we are your masterpiece. We're not the world's masterpiece. And God, may we always focus on the ultimate reward, that not just our children, but that their children and their children will walk with you. We love you so much. God, be with us as we sing this song. In Jesus' name, amen.